So I got a small message for you today. Um, it's going to be quick, but it's going to be good. Our scripture verse today is John fifteen seventeen. If you would turn to your Bibles, John chapter fifteen, verse seventeen, and you'll recognize it from last week. Last Sunday, Pastor actually read this verse as well, and he touched on the subject. John fifteen seventeen. John fifteen seventeen says, These things I command you that you love one another. John chapter thirteen, thirty four and thirty five says, A new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Now, it's interesting, because in modern-day Christianity, they try to substitute that word love, but it doesn't really, doesn't really work. You tell me, like, okay, so let's go back. If you have love for one, one you, by, the all, by this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Uh, by this all will know you are my disciples if you have a thriving ministry with 700 million people in attendance on Sunday. By this all will know you are my disciples if you have a charismatic pastor who dresses real sharp and writes a thousand books a year. That doesn't really work, does it? It's so simple. Four-letter word, L-O-V-E. If you have the biggest and best and most recorded and sought-after worship team on the planet, they will know you're my disciples, right? And we're blessed to have the worship team that we have that rocks. But it's about love. And it's about the world seeing that we are his disciples through our love for one another. How can we expect to love the world the way Jesus expects us to love the world if we can't even love one another in the church. You can't do it. We can't love the world if we can't love one another. Seriously. Somebody say amen. So, um, at the last corporate prayer, the Lord led me to the scripture, John fifteen seventeen, And we had, we had actually prayed... Um, around that scripture. We prayed, you know, that the love would have more that the world that the church that our church would have more love for one another. And uh so in last week pastor was preaching and he had touched on that scripture and I felt like it was confirmation for me to to go ahead with this particular topic. Amen. Somebody say amen. Somebody say I'm ready. Say I'm ready. <laughs> 6 points. So take out your pens and your pads. I'm going to give you six points on how love for one another looks. Six practical steps on how we can love one another. Number one, love verbally. Love verbally with your mouth. Say love. Speak love. Amen? Death and life are in the power of the tongue, 
and those who love it will eat its fruit, Proverbs 18.21 says. Death and life are in the power of your tongue. We have to intentionally say things that are going to build one another up. One another up. Amen? Now, as New Yorkers, we, we're actually really intuitive people, right? So we can figure folks out in like three seconds flat. Like you meet somebody for the first time, and, uh, and within three seconds of your conversation, you already know how old the person is, where they come from, whether they're genuine, whether they're a little crazy, right? Whether they bathe. You can learn a lot about a person in just a few seconds, and we're very intuitive that way. We pick up on people very easily, right? As New Yorkers, right? Man, I got your number. I picked, picked up on you in about three seconds. I know exactly who you is. You ain't real, son. You're faking it. Are we using that to benefit the church? It's just a question. In our conversations and in our interactions with one another, where we're able to listen and pick up on things that we might be struggling with or going through, are we using that to our advantage to help one another? Right, because I could be walking past Elder, you know, crossing each other in the aisle, and I'll, like, see a look on his face, and I'll know something's not right. Do I stop and say, hey, man, is everything okay? Is there something like, that I can help you with? Is... Are we doing that? Are we using that intuition? Are we using that insight on, uh, of one another to help one another? Are we loving one another verbally? Are we? Somebody say love verbally. Ooh, I skipped the first one. What a slacker. Okay, I guess I'm starting with two, which is love verbally. There was a situation recently, and I really struggled whether or not to mention this, but it's really important, and I think it's something that we can grow from. Um, there was a situation recently here in our church where, you know, there were people speaking into, in the back on a, after a Sunday service, and there were, I believe, two people having a conversation, and one person said something about a third party that was really despicable, really nasty, really just wrong. And they didn't think the third party could hear or was listening, but this person heard it. Now I can tell you this person was tore up. Until this day is still tore up. Now I wanted to make sure that I mentioned that this was in our church, not the church across the street. Now, I'm not going to go into details, but man, why did that have to happen? Are we loving one another verbally? Even if this person had felt a certain way about this other person, why not go up to them individually and encourage them and say something good? Speak something into existence. Speak something, something into their future. Speak positive things. We have to be careful. The power of death and life are in the tongue. Isn't that amazing? 
All right. We'll go backwards to point number one. <laughs> Personal touch. So that'll be point number two. Personal touch. Where's Jasmine when you need her? Everybody say personal touch. You know, the power of personal touch cannot be measured by any man-made means. Feels good? All right. Personal touch. We as Christians need to understand the power of personal touch. Did you know that it's scientifically proven, and Liz, you'll back me up on this, babies who are not touched, right? And I think we've heard this before. Babies who are not touched, and this actually, I believe this was something that was done in, in Nazi concentration camps where they tested out little babies and they were not touched, they were not nurtured at all, and they died. Well, the same holds true for babes in Christ, right? If a babe in Christ, a person who's born again, comes into the fold of a church, comes into the, into the gang, so to speak, and they're not nurtured and they're not touched, mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, if they're not touched, they'll die spiritually. And they'll go. And your church will have the problem of being a revolving door where people come in and go right back out. We should be like a roach motel. Right? I know. It's, they check in, but they don't check out. Now, I don't mean it that way, obviously. But they should come in and stay in. Because this is where it's at. This is the house of the Lord. This is the house of God. This is where salvation and blessing and honor and joy and long life and prosperous futures, this is where it happens. It's here with us. We should be the cream of the crop. But if they come in and go right back out, what are we doing? We do nothing. Nothing. Not good, right? Are you guys falling asleep? Wake up. Let's not be afraid to touch. I know some of us may have some inhibitions. And I'll even say, Minister Al, the first time you kissed me on the cheek, dude, it freaked me out. <laughs> it really did. No, but, and, I, and I'm not breaking your chops, but check this out. My entire life I've been kissing my uncles on the cheek. Right? Hispanics in our culture, it's kissing, you know, bendición papi, you know, bendición tío, you know. It's something that we do naturally. Aren't we family? We're family, right? So I should not have been freaked out. I'm over it. We kiss each other all the time. It's a beautiful thing. Scripture commands, me, commands it, right? Greet your brethren with a holy kiss. Right? We find it in the epistles. Amen? Come on, man. It's the truth. Ouch. Greet your brethren with a holy kiss. <clears throat> so we've got to let go of our phobias and we've got to let go of our inhibitions and understand that a simple hug, a simple caress on the shoulder can mean so much to somebody, right? It's a power, it gives life. It brings life and hope and joy and peace. It can literally settle somebody's spirit. Somebody who's emotionally distraught can be eased and calmed. That's what we should be doing. Uh, there, there's even, you know, negative personal touches, right? And I know, take it easy, I'll explain. Stand up for a second, Elder. I'm not going to hit you, I promise. <laughs> so 
in the house of the Lord, when brethren see each other, it should look like this. That's how we do. Not too long ago, a brother in the Lord, um, in greeting me, and somebody I knew for a while, in greeting me, did this. And it made me feel so strange. Right? What the heck is that? It doesn't even compute. It doesn't make sense. Like he, he gripped firm, turned my hand upside down, and like kept me at a distance on purpose. Thank you, Alder. Now it's interesting because in the corporate world, that makes a lot of sense. Right? There's actually like this whole science behind handshakes. It's amazing. Politicians and people in government study this. Like they literally study this. I've seen video footage where some of our world leaders will literally do like a dance just to get the upper hand, just so that the person can stand behind them. There's a certain position that they have to be, and it's the position of authority and supremacy. Even, and, and even you know, researching and realizing that the handshake the person gave me was a very specific handshake that shows authority. Right? The hand was, was that prone or supine? Yeah, supine. All right. So this, recognize this, and it's linked to that whole thing. When your hand is this position, it shows authority. And we've seen this from world leaders in the past who wanted world domination. So it speaks to that. And this person did this to me, and I was like, yo, what the heck was that? This is the church of the living God. Would Jesus shake my hand like that? Hands would not be involved. It'd be an embrace. It'd be a hug. It'd be a kiss on the cheek. Let's remember that in our interactions with one another. Let's remember that. From the person that you know has been in the Lord 50 years and you've been standing shoulder to shoulder worshiping the Lord to the guy that came in yesterday who smells like beer. Right? Who you know is not necessarily living the right life, but you know needs the Lord. And most importantly, the Lord loves them. Amen? Love. Loving one another. Personal touch. Now, personal touch isn't just touching, right? And let's not all get, get all touchy-feely. You know, brothers, take it easy with the sisters, all right? Sisters, if any of them gets out of hand, slap them. It's okay. But it's not just touch. It's a personal greeting card. Man, you send somebody a card in the mail? Some people, not all people. I've never been a card person in my entire life. I'm kind of, I'm like that. I don't really care about cards. Right? But to some people, it means the world. You send somebody a card in the mail and they're like, they thought of me. It's wonderful. And it's a beautiful. My wife, she expects that card. Christmas, birthday, you know, actually hers are very close together Christmas and birthday. Listen, I could get her a brand new Ferrari, I could get her a diamond ring the size of, of Elder's head. Right? Sorry, I'm not saying anything about your head. It's just the first thing that came. I could get her a diamond ring the size, really large diamond ring. If I don't give her that card, there's a problem. That card better come. And matter of fact, I can give her the card without the gift, and she'll still smile. 
it'll only mean that I'll have to double up next year. But cards are re a really nice gesture or expression of personal interest, right? Personal touch. Everybody say personal touch. Number three, be the blessing. Everybody say be the blessing. Be the blessing. Say it again. James chapter 2, verses 14 through 17 says, can we get it up on the screen? Oh, he went downstairs. Oh, you're going to have to rely on your Bible. James chapter 2, 14 through 17. Thanks, Chris. James writes, Dear friends, do you think you'll get anywhere in this if you learn all the right words but never do anything? Does merely talking about faith indicate that a person really has it? For instance... You come upon an old friend dressed in rags and half-starved and say, Good morning, friend! Be clothed in Christ. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And walk off without providing so much as a coat or a cup of soup. Where does that get you? Isn't it obvious that God talk without God acts is outrageous nonsense? Is that love? It makes sense to church folk. Be clothed in Christ. My man's shirt is toe up. Give him a shirt. There's a, there's a song on Caleb right now. It's better than a hallelujah. You ever hear that song? Where she goes through all of these small expressions of faith and love and, 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 and you know, just doing little things for people is better than giving a shout of hallelujah. The act in itself is praise to God. I said the act in itself is praise to God. If we love one another, we'll seek to be the blessing. Just recognizing that a blessing is needed is absolutely not enough. If you have access to something that you know a brother in the Lord needs, make it happen. Amen? What good is it to say that you know, to be able, it's, it's nice to say, oh, I'm blessed and my cup runs over, right? Um, but then everybody around you never gets a little sprinkle or a tinkle of that cup that's running over. What's the purpose of the running over cup in the first place? It runs over so others can be blessed too. I've mentioned this before for, for another application, but you ever notice how uh, there are so many storage facilities popping up all over the city, it's absolutely ridiculous. I've never seen so many in my life. Why is that? You have so much stuff that you just have to lock it away in a closet somewhere that'll sit there for years, 3, 5, 12, 15 years, and then finally you get sick of paying it and say forget about it, and then they auction it off, and then your stuff gets resold. Yeah, your cup's running over, but are you blessing anybody? Are you, are you allowing that overflowing cup to flow on somebody else? Are the people standing around you like this? Dry and thirsting for that river of living waters that your cup should be overflowing with. If you have extra stuff that you ain't using, give it away. God will not only... Check this out. Actually, cool. I got a cool testimony. There's this brother. Um, 
He's about to marry my wife's cousin. She's kind of like her sister. So they're getting married. He's a guitar player, too, from a church out in Staten Island. Really, really, like the sweetest guy on the planet. Like, literally. Like, literally the sweetest guy on the planet. I've never met anybody nicer in my whole life. So, you know, when we get together, we get excited because we talk about guitar gear. Those who are into playing guitar, you know, we kind of have this little madness about us. And we'll talk about strings and string gauge and pickups and this and that and what kind of picks to use and what kind of amp. How do you get your tone? It's so stupid, but I love it. <laughs> right? So he had come by and uh, I asked him, you know, what, what amp are you using with the pedal board that you have? He's like, oh, I don't have an amp. What? Like, how do you not have an amp? What's the problem? Like, didn't you, there, you can get them so cheap. He's like, eh, you know, I just, I can't afford one right now and it's just, you know, whatever. So I actually had one that I'd been using for service sitting here. And uh, I actually said, you know what? I'm just going to give you one of mine. I have two. I mean, you know, I like them both, but you really need one. He was like, no, nah, you can't do that. You obviously use it, use it at church. I was like, it's all right. The Lord will give me another one. Do you know that since I gave it to him, and this was just three weeks ago, I actually have three more sitting in my living room. I'm not exaggerating, babe. Am I lying? You're right. And, and, and... And she's not happy about it. <laughs> but literally, I got three more that are actually better than the one I gave away. That's God. And that's what you can expect. That's what I'm talking about. Bless others with your overflow. Don't be stingy. Um, be the blessing. Wow, I actually memorized this. Number four, be mindful of those who are behind you. What does that mean? I know it sounds a little strange. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 through 9. First Peter 5, 8 and 9. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood and the world. Now, I hear that scripture quoted all the time, but I never hear verse 9 quoted with it. Right? Don't you hear that scripture constantly? Be sober, be vigilant, your adversary, the devil. But you never hear 9 followed up with it, even though it's the very first, next verse. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. I saw this really cool video uh, a while back, and it was entitled Battle at Kruger National Park. I don't know if anybody's ever seen this. I'm kind of a dork. I like to watch like little animal kingdom type videos. They're fun for me. I don't care what you think. And my daughter likes watching wildlife stuff too. I remember uh, Marty Stauffer's Wild America. Dude, that was like the coolest show on the planet. I loved it. <clears throat> in this video, it's on YouTube. Check it out. There's a shortened version because the original version is really long, but the shortened version shows all the cool highlights, like a, like a football game, you know, breakdown. But in the video, there's a, there's a small herd, like just nine or ten ox or buffalo. I think they're buffalo, right? They're not American buffalo. They're creepy-looking buffalo. 
And they're walking, and, and there's these lions that are crouched down in the grass, and they're waiting, and they're like walking right into them, and they're by a huge body of water. <coughs> so the buffalo are walking towards it. All of a sudden, the, the lions spring up, and they, they pounce, and they jump on the smallest buffalo, the, the weakest one. <coughs> Why am I so phlegmy? Forgive me. And so they catch it, they grab this buffalo, and they start wrestling it down to the ground. Now, they you know, couldn't have been more than 10 or 12. The rest of them ran away, right? And they left the, the, the buffalo to be there with the lions. Minutes later, the huge pack of buffalo, now literally there are hundreds, hundreds that come back. And all of a sudden, the lions are confronted by a massive, gigantic group of buffalo, and they're trapped between the water and the buffalo. It's an awesome sight to see. Oh, by the way, while the lions were trying to eat the smaller buffalo, there was like a crocodile that jumped out of the water and tried to take it too. They were literally fighting over it. Crazy, huh? Now, could you be in a worse situation? You got crocodiles chomping down on your butt. You got lions trying to rip your face off. It's okay, little kids are not here. Well, there's one, he's asleep. How could you be in a worse situation than this? This dude was in trouble. The buffalo show up on the scene. There's a, literally a wall of buffalo. The lions are now stopped, dead in their tracks. One of the bigger buffaloes comes over and literally nails one of the lions, and he goes straight up in the air about 12 feet. <laughs> Needless to say, the lions let the little buffalo go. And the little buffalo got up, ran into the herd, and got swallowed in the herd. You couldn't see him anymore. He was gone. This little buffalo was no longer in harm's way. Saved. Isn't that cool? Isn't that interesting? Now what's cool about nature shows is that you can take a lot of what you see and apply it to even human things. I'm not saying we're animals. But nature, it's nature, right? It's the natural order of things. And we can look at that and say, those who are weaker among us or those who come into the church who may be struggling or have issues, the scripture tells us that the, the, the devil who's like a roaring lion is looking to eat them. Pay attention because understand that your brotherhood are dealing with the same things. So it's not enough for us to say, oh, cool, I'm safe from the lion. I got it all down together. He's way behind me. Plus, he's just roaring anyway. He's not going to get me. But there are some that are going to get caught up by that roar. It may be a stumbling block. If we walk away, if we ignore what we're seeing and what we're hearing, they're gone. But if we turn around and we pray, if we help this person out of their trouble, out of their distress, if we simply be selfless and try to intervene and interject on their behalf, we can save them through the, God's power, of course, but it's got to work through us. That's love. Be mindful of those that are behind you. Number five, we're almost done. Because I see some of y'all nodding off. Point number five, go the extra mile. It's not as far as you think. Everybody say, go the extra mile. So, there's kind of this mindset that's prevalent in the world today 
where people have this think, this thought process, you know, you know, if they were my son or if they were my daughter or if they were my family member, you know, I'd go all out. But we're not necessarily related, you know. They're, people take care of their own. They're, they're fine. We've got to let go of that mindset in the church. We have to turn that if he were my brother or if, he, if she were my sister and turn that into he is my brother he is my sister. They are my blood relatives. We are related by blood. It's the blood of Jesus. We are the family of Christ. We are the bride of Christ together. Right? And so we have to make sure that we're looking out for one another and even do the little things, the little extra things, the little things that kind of put us out sometimes, right? No greater man hath, no greater love hath one for another, a man for another, that he laid down his life, right? What does laying down your life mean? And a small snapshot, laying down your life simply means to do something that nobody else will do or even thinks to do. I'll give a couple examples. Actually, I'll give one example to separate people. You guys know Lewis, right? He's not here today. We call him Little Lou, but he's actually bigger than the Big Lou. <laughs> he lives in Yonkers, and he's a faithful man of God. He's probably working today, otherwise I'm sure he'd be here. But he comes even during the week, right? And I, he, he doesn't miss the bonfires. He comes to the bonfires, and you know the bonfires kind of end late. And he takes the bus all the way here from Yonkers. And it's deep. And to take the bus up there, it takes quite a while, two hours. It takes two hours to get there. So, you know, I can't let this kid take the bus, I just can't do it. I drive him home. Do I want to drive to Yonkers? Time to be real. Absolutely not. I want to go home like everybody else. But I can't see myself letting this kid take the bus home. Now, on Sundays, he takes the bus home. It's daylight outside. He's a big boy. I don't got a problem with that. But during the week, I couldn't, if he were my little brother, I would want to make sure that somebody was driving him home too. Minister Helen, she comes to prayer, uh, corporate prayers, and, you know, she doesn't have a car either. She, she takes the bus, uh, the train, the bus to the train, to the plane. No. She takes the bus to the train, and that's a long ride. And uh, I can't let her take the train. I have to drive her home, right? I want to go home. I want to go and sit and eat popcorn on the couch with my wife and watch one of the shows she likes. We don't watch shows that I like, just so that you understand. <laughs> that doesn't happen. But we have, to, if we have to go the extra mile for one another. We have to make sure that it's not enough. There was a scripture that talks about giving the man the shirt off your back and then giving him your coat too, right? Go the extra mile. It's not going to kill you. Do that extra thing. Take an extra moment. I know a lot of times people even want to talk on Sundays, and you want to get out of here because there's a burger with your name on it over at so-and-so, or there's a piece of chicken at Brisa's that's saying, Come and eat me, puppy. I understand. But if there's somebody that was waiting all week to talk to you, to give you a testimony, or to you know, communicate something with you, take an extra minute and listen. Take an extra minute and encourage them. 
take an extra minute and talk about your testimony, how God helped you over the com- overcome. Or just take a minute, a minute to take that extra personal interest in their lives, that extra concern. Because it means the world, sincerely, for some people. It's worth it. Go the extra mile. It's shorter than you think. And last but not least, everybody say, yay! Oh, you're too kind. Last but not least, number six, be mindful of others by being mindful of yourself. That wasn't a tongue twister. I'm going to say it again. Be mindful of others by being mindful of yourself. You got that? All right. Be mindful of others by being mindful of yourself. My wife and I, we, we actually clean the church, right? We'll, we'll show up here on a Friday night or a Saturday night, and we clean up. What exciting party lives we lead, right? We party in here on a Friday night. So one particular night, I was down in the basement, and I was sweeping, right? And uh, I don't think Belinda was here. I, I, she was doing whatever, watching one of her shows with the popcorn. I don't know. Whatever it was. And so I was sweeping, and I was kind of uh, putting the, the stuff the in the dustpan thing, right? And I was having a problem. The, uh, the hair, right? You sisters, you have such beautiful hair. <laughs> Love it. It's so gorgeous. I hate sweeping it. It's a pain in my tuchus. I was having an issue because it was getting stuck to the broom. And you can't get it off! You literally have to get down into the broom, stick your fingers into it, where all of the nasty dust mites and the creatures and the bacteria and the funk live, and you have to pull it apart. You have to pull it off and stick it with your hand inside of that nasty receptacle where you put the garbage. But your hair is so beautiful. And I love your hair. As long as it's on your head. <laughs> exactly. But you know, on Sundays, we actually leave some stuff behind, right? We, we leave, you know, hair or whatever the case may be. We leave stuff behind. And we don't even realize it. There's stuff, there's residual stuff from our presence that gets left behind here on Sundays. And it's interesting. I had a like, little moment with the Lord, and, you know, the Lord actually said to me, you know, the hardest thing about, you know, working with God, with, with my church or with, is, is dealing with the human stuff. Very interesting. But, so check this out. So we leave stuff behind. Yeah, it, it kind of blew me away. I had like a little... It was, it was interesting. So we leave stuff behind. We have to be mindful of ourselves and the stuff that we leave behind, our acts and our deeds. We have to be careful with what we do and what we say because there are residual things. There are repercussions that last. And a lot of times we don't even know about it. Like I had to kneel down on the ground and pull the hair off of the broom your actions and deeds may cause somebody to have to kneel down and seek God so that they can get over what you did. Pay attention to what you say. Pay attention to what you do and think about carefully how your words and your deeds affect others in the church. Now, you can say, oh, you know what? They need to grow up and get over it. Yeah? But are you loving them the way Christ 
loves them. Is that what Jesus would say? Just a question, rhetorical. Don't answer it. Think about it. Loving one another. Jesus gave us the commandment. This is a new commandment I give to you. Love one another. It's so important. It's incredibly important. The scripture tells us that God is love. I was watching a, a um, documentary during the week. It's on Netflix. If you have Netflix, you have to watch it. It's called I Am, right? And you, the director from uh, Ace Ventura and uh, what was the other movie that he did? Ace Ventura, Bruce Almighty, right? Of those movies, very funny movies, whatever. But he actually had this situation where he like fell off his bike and cracked his skull and got like a, a concussion. And is and and I didn't know that apparently it's a big thing in sports and football where if you get a concussion, it can actually drive you to be depressed. Something happens in the brain, um, and it can even lead to uh, suicide. And this actually happened to some football player not too long ago. Say it again. Who is it? Say it again. Junior Seau. Junior Seau. Yeah. Say it again. <laughs> That's not funny. The guy's dead. <laughs> His name is Seau. Somebody said Al. Okay. Anyway, so he made this documentary, and he was basically on a soul-searching mission where he went around interviewing people. And he wanted to find out what was going on in the world? Where he wanted to find out about love, about God, about religion, about how religion, how accurate religion has been about the human condition throughout the centuries. And in the video, he actually interviewed his father, who was one of the co-founders of St. Jude's Hospital. We know what St. Jude's is. It's a cancer hospital that treats um, children who have cancer for free. And it's an amazing thing. Right, that, that they do at this hospital. And so his father teamed up with Danny Kay. Now, I don't know the other... Danny Thomas, yeah. Sorry, I, what do I know? Danny Thomas and this gentleman got together and they put together... They made this hospital for the little children. And he's, he had something very interesting to say because the discussion was about love. And he said, you know, I actually go to a church that's not too far from here and I really enjoy it. He said, for that hour and a half I see love and it's beautiful and what they're doing is beautiful blacks, whites, orientals, hispanics they're there and they're hugging each other and they're loving one another and the love that I see there is so profound and he said after that hour and a half is gone do they continue to live that way? After this hour and a half, which is about the same amount of time, because when, when he said it, I was like, hey, our service is an hour and a half. I thought to myself, are we living that way for the rest of the week? It's very interesting. If you get the chance, watch the movie. It's very interesting, the things that they find out about love and how we're literally designed to love. Literally, it's, they found it in our DNA. Is that crazy or what? 
But are we living the love lifestyle? Are we living it? Are we living it so that others will know that we are the disciples of Christ? Because they're going to identify us by our love for one another. And if we're not loving one another, they're not going to want to hear anything about Christ. Because the real deal comes from that love. Amen? If we take these six little things and we just start to apply them. Now, the reason I told them to you is because there are six little things that God has been putting into my heart to start doing because I need to learn more and I need to do more. Belinda and I, the, the Lord has spoken to us and, and you know, he's, he's told us a number of things that scare the, the chocolate pudding out of us about our future and where he's going to use us and what he's going to do with us. And I need to learn to love. Right? We need to learn to love the real deal. We need to start loving one another. Amen? Do you guys love one another? <laughs> I'm not going to say that, Elder. But it's a question we need to be asking ourselves. We need to ask ourselves are we loving one another? Are we doing what's what we can do? When we see another person hurting or we see another person lacking something, are we doing what we can do to help them without looking for some kind of reward in return? Because we have to do things for one another without expecting a return. Sometimes you won't even hear a thank you. And we have to be able to say, that's okay. I'm doing what you told me to do, Lord. Lord. <laughs>